Today on Sharp Scratch, you'll learn the meaning of the word preceptorship, how you can avoid stealing someone else's learning opportunity, and why a student nurse could be your new best friend. You're listening to Sharp Scratch, episode 20, working with the multidisciplinary team. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we talk about all the things you want to know to be a good doctor, but you might not get to all med school. I'm Anna, and I'm a final year medical student at King's, and I'm also the editorial scholar here at the BMJ. And I'm here today with our amazing panel members, Laura and Raihan. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Hello, I'm Laura. I'm a fifth year medical student at the University of Cambridge. Hi guys, my name is Raihan. I'm a fourth year slash fifth year intercalating medic at Imperial College. Struggling to get by. Mm. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me again, guys. How's it going with the New Year's resolutions? Yeah, I... I saw your tweet, up, yeah, tweet about yeah. the knit, knitting, is it, yeah, or crochet? I took up knitting after a little chat about doing things that you're not really that good at, just for the joy of making something, doing yeah. something. Yeah, I took up my knitting again. I was away on placement, that helps. There's not much to do when you're out in the regions. <laughs> So, knitting it was. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you guys so much for, for being here with me. And I'm also delighted to have in the studio with us our lovely guest for this week. Could you introduce yourself, please? Of course. Um, I'm Helga and I'm a final year mental health nursing student. And the reason why we've asked you to come chat with us today is because we're talking about working in a multidisciplinary team, also known as an MDT, which is probably what I'm going to say from now on. Um, So could you tell us just a little bit about the kind of experiences you've had working in an MDT? Yeah, so it's been, uh, I've had some really great experiences. Um, It's really good hearing input from all elements of of someone's care. So like occupational therapy, physiotherapy, of course, nursing, medical, um, and getting all that... um, all that expertise in one place is is really helpful. Um, obviously, like sometimes you see a lot of clashes over differing opinions, especially when different professions come with a slightly different attitude to care or what optimal care is. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we're going to pick your brains about <laughs> kind of, you know, what it's like to be a nursing student instead of a medical student. Mm. And we're all students here, so hopefully we can all sort of learn from each other and, uh, yeah, pick up some tips on how to work well in an MDT. Absolutely. So I don't know about you guys, Laura and Raihan, but... Um, when I first started going on towards as a medical student, it was pretty intimidating. Um, there's lots of people in the teams that you kind of quickly need to get to know and make friends with to get things done. They're all busy doing their own jobs. When I was like 18 and I started medical school and they put me on a ward and they gave me the name of a doctor and I went up. And firstly, I couldn't get into the ward because they never tell you the code to get into the ward. So standing outside then managed to like tailgate my way in. I was standing there for a while at like the nurse's station, like waiting for a gap in conversation to try and be like, I'm a medical student. Um, And then eventually I, I managed to say like, oh, I'm here to see Dr. X. And they were like, oh, 
he's not worked here for a few years (laughs) and you know like everyone has those experiences and it's so awkward Mm. and I think sometimes as well it's difficult um because as a med student you kind of move around so much you do sort of one day here Mm. and there and there's a lot of like unwritten rules on different wards and it's so difficult to pick that up like another thing that happened to me was I was at the nurse's station whatsapping my consultant like where are you and this lady came over and was like what are you doing with that phone and I was like oh I'm so sorry and she wasn't in a uniform or anything I was like oh I'm so sorry like I don't know um I'm just trying to find my consultant and she was like we don't use our phones here and I found out later she was the matron um (laughs) but you know it was difficult to tell because she wasn't in uniform so not all wards have those kind of rules either Mm -hmm. exactly 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 (laughs) so I wanted to kind of start off by hearing from you guys about times you've put your foot in it with the MDT make me feel better (laughs) no I mean one of my most deflating moments was my first day on placement after a year out of medical school uh, we had an induction in the morning from nine till ten, and then I, I was timetabled to spend a day on a ward. Uh, and I, <laughs> I went to the ward at about ten past ten. Turned up, went up to the sort of desk bit that is the station where professionals sit at computers to look after patients. And I went up there and, with my badge held before me, said, "Hi, I'm a medical student." what's going on on the ward right now <laughs> and and there were a couple of different professionals and I'm not gonna lie I'm you know different wards different hospitals have different uniforms different colors to mm-hmm. to indicate mm-hmm. different professions right so I wasn't sure who was who but in general doctors don't wear uniforms mm. unless they're wearing scrubs right so I, th- yeah. I thought okay yeah. I'm not I'm not seeing any doctors here but you know okay so what what's going on said they looked at me and said oh medical student yeah the ward rounds already happened the doctors aren't here, so... And I was just, I was completely thrown. You know, I wanted to say, like, anything else going on? <laughs> like, skills, anything else? But, you know, they, you know, med students follow doctors. And so that was the main option open to me. And I ended up going to uh, a different ward and, and trying to have, have have another crack at it because I, I just couldn't face that silence. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, Helga, you were saying um, just before we started recording as well that you have encountered medical students on your most recent placement, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's really interesting, actually, because um, in a lot of my placements in kind of mental health settings, um, it's often quite nurse-led, um, which makes it really easy as a student nurse to kind of fit into the flow. Um Currently, uh, I'm at somewhere which is a little bit more medical-led, perhaps, so we get lots of medical students. And obviously, if you've got... If you've got three learning opportunities, three medical students and a student nurse, sometimes it can feel difficult to kind of get your way in there as Mm. the student nurse, especially if, you know, it's it's doctors that are working out who's going where. Um, And and most of the time, uh, people are really good at making sure that I'm getting appropriate learning opportunities. But sometimes you feel (laughs) like you're ready to go and then some med student comes out of nowhere and steals your learning opportunity yeah so do you stay on placements like a lot longer yes rather than having a day here and a day there man yes. that must be so you know, irritating to see someone actually... rock up the day <laughs> it's actually it's worse than that actually because not only that but um so we our placements are generally about eight weeks right um 
but also because of the way our hours work and the way they're counted, we have to be there for the entirety of the shift. And often you see a med student come in for an hour, t- have a learning opportunity and then leave, go do some study. Mm. And you're there for Classic. eight hours, <laughs> if oh. not longer. And you're like, they just stole my learning opportunity. Oh, my heart breaks you. That is, uh... And you've got to go sit, you know, you've got hours left of this shift. <laughs> oh, no, that totally happens. I completely <laughs> understand what you're talking about because... And this might like this might seem odd to you guys, but so when we did our OBS and gynae uh, rotation, one of our outcomes was we had to see a cesarean section and, mm. a, and a live birth. Mm. And every time, like I would be on the ward till about some nights till 8 p.m. at night, just waiting, patiently waiting. Please give birth, please give birth, <laughs> please. <laughs> So I can go home tonight and be at peace and that my <laughs> supervisor will not drill me on why I haven't got seen a cesarean section in the two weeks I've been on this ward. And honestly, I came so close to seeing one and, and apparently there was a mid, uh, midwifery student who had Ooh. to be put in instead of me and apparently the room was too full of uh, oh. like... And yeah. To be fair to them, they have to get like 40, 40 signed off. Like yeah. One, one signed off is hard, but getting 40 exactly, signed off. Exactly. Yeah. And then, do you know what? I think after that, I was just like, yeah, you know what? I give up now. And surely my supervisor will understand that it's very difficult to get these this outcome signed off. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but I think that brings up two interesting things, right? So one of them is that you can kind of see where, like, the friction between different healthcare professionals that we sometimes hear about and is kind of, I guess, like, in popular culture as well, there's quite a lot of friction between, for instance, doctors and nurses, like, mm-hmm. how that can start really early on in our careers. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I think is interesting about what you said, Raihan, is that probably what happened was that midwifery student had been on placement on that ward for you know maybe six weeks so she was familiar with the team she knew people mm. people learned what her competencies were mm-hmm. and so she was able to have that opportunity and I think sometimes like kind of the opposite of what you're saying yeah. I guess Helga like sometimes as medical students you do feel a bit like are oh, these people like I can take blood but these people don't trust me too because i don't Mm. like know them and i feel i feel bad for you guys a lot of the time especially i see you know if i've been somewhere for six weeks and i see these medical students come into the ward and they have no idea what's going on especially if i don't you know they're perhaps not being as well looked after by the doctors as they could be and they're sort of wandering around especially from doing a lot of kind of psychiatric stuff and psychiatry is quite different to what a lot of med students have experienced so it's like this crazy learning experience for them and they're just kind of dropped in the deep end and I do if there are medical students on the ward I do try and take them under my wing a little bit (laughs) (laughs) because I always feel so bad like um, and I'll try and like introduce them to the patients and that's the other thing as well because I've got the rapport with the patients especially Mm. in mental health where the patients Mm. sometimes they're quite long term so I might have been working with someone for eight weeks built up the rapport built up the trust Mm. and I've got a medical student who says I've been told to take a history but I don't know this person and I feel really awkward so you know I might sit in the room with them whilst they do that so they can get assuming you know that the patient's comfortable so they can get their history and also that the patient feels comfortable and there's a bit of trust there that is so good Mm. and so good of you to like give up your time to do that as well yeah Mm. um the fact that you've got like an eight hour day doesn't make that less of a gift (laughs) (laughs) I think as well like you might not see it but nurses their first day of placement is just as scary we I've also had so many experiences like you said of walking up saying I'm the student nurse they go 
having a student (laughs) and maybe you don't see it as much because we move around less but we've all been there in that Mm. moment where you step onto a ward or you step onto a community team and you just feel completely out of your depth Mm. (laughs) okay so we've definitely identified that sometimes it can be challenging as med students and nursing students to actually like in, you know integrate ourselves into the team right so I spoke to a nurse who's worked in the NHS for 30 years and she also works at the Royal College of Nursing now um, and we sort of chatted a bit about um, some of the things that we could do to prepare ourselves before we go on to placement so let's hear from Wendy. Hello so my name is Wendy Preston I am head of nursing practice at the Royal College of Nursing I've been doing that for the past uh, three years I've also have an honorary consultant nurse to post um, and I continue in clinical practice as an advanced practitioner in an urgent care setting. A lot of um, nurses always thought a doctor was a doctor, just like doctors might think, well, a nurse is a nurse and that we all do the same sort of roles when it's very, very different. Um, but I often explain, you know, to a staff nurse when they very, very busy and they've got a new team of junior doctors come in, particularly around August time. There's lots of work to be done and the FY1 is needing, you know, to be given more support and more time to do things. And I'll explain that. Just remember, you know, when you were newly qualified as a staff nurse, you had a year of preceptorship. That year where you had extra support um, and uh, extra guidance to guide you through that period of time. And to think of your FY1 year, that foundation year, really as a, as a that preceptorship year. And it's a shame we can't use the same language mm. uh, because you really get that. That's a, a time where we you know, really need to support each other. I think over the years we've worked with medical students and new junior doctors to help them to that transition because it's a scary time. And as nurses, you know, we have a very, I think, valuable role in being part of the induction and being able to make it a smooth transition because we've all been there. As nurses, we've been, you know, newly qualified. It's a scary place to be. And we've all had to look back and see, you know, key people that have helped us and supervised us and mentored us to be, you know, the clinicians we are today. I think a key thing is go visit before. So find out as much information. That can be difficult because obviously you might be changing hospitals um, and changing location. But if you can try and visit or have a phone call, introduce yourself, find out about that speciality. So even if you're just transferring within that hospital from one ward to another ward, there will be differences. Also ask about the ways of working. Um, Nurses, particular ward managers and charge nurses and advanced practitioners within that area will be able to help you to see, you know, how do the various different teams work? Uh, And nowadays, we'll often have multi-professional working. So the team will often not completely change. They might have an advanced practitioner as part of that team that is a constant, also a physician associate. So often it won't be a complete change. So you can have that discussion. and, And I think the key thing is, is to listen and ask the questions. Don't be afraid to ask. So what I thought was quite interesting in what we just heard from Wendy about is the idea of us not using the same language Mm. as Mm. medics and nurses, which I think is really interesting because it takes something just as simple as saying, okay, this 
the FY1 year is comparable to the preceptor year as nurses. I've never heard of that phrase. It's good to know. Preceptorship, yeah. Yeah. It means the first year after nurses qualified, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you have to complete like a sort of program of learning and there'll be extra kind of protections in place to make sure that you're not stranded on the ward managing the whole thing when you've only been in the job for two weeks. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the training bit sounds like F1, but the protection... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I thought was interesting that I wanted to chat with you guys about was um, kind of some of the things that she was saying about what you can do to prepare yourself before you go onto a new ward. Obviously, like for medical students, that's not necessarily always possible if you're just mm-hmm. going for a one day in a ward. Mm-hmm. But for instance, the three of us, you know, myself, Lara and Raihan, will be qualified doctors like relatively soon. Mm-hmm. So I wondered if, Helga, you had any other like things that you would say we should try and find out about our wards before we start, just to make sure that we're like not annoying people too much when we're F1s. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I'm sure you wouldn't be that annoying. <laughs> um, I mean, have you met Raihan? But confidence I from Helga, everyone. Yeah. That one, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the door was open. We walked through it. <laughs> I suppose maybe uh, if you have an opportunity to get to know the nurses, even just you know knowing their names and maybe what their roles are, that could be really helpful. And maybe knowing what other disciplines, maybe beyond nursing, have a key role in that ward. Like, are there a lot of physios that get involved? Are there a lot of, you know, is there a lot of dietetic input, for example? So you have a bit of a better understanding of how Mm. the ward works. (laughs) And I think, you know, I've had a lot of um, junior doctors say to me, like, if if you're nice to the nurses, things will go a lot smoother for you. I've heard that so many times. We know this. It actually does happen. They're the the key. They're the key. Even in my clinical year, like, because different wards have different places of putting stuff like sometimes i just can't find a normal needle and yeah. i'm like where's your needle Every, all your equipment is here but the needle except the needles and yeah. it's always the nurses that spot med student in distress and they, they come over and they're like right you're looking for the needle aren't you it's over there you're looking for the shops box aren't you it, the shop's bin it's over there see the doctors i think maybe it's because they're so um i don't know just so sucked into the work and the paperwork and and whatnot but they sometimes they don't notice that we're a medical student and we're struggling or maybe it's just normal for them to see (laughs) they think it's just part of maybe they enjoy it i found no needles (laughs) so have you thought about doing this kind of prep laura before you start your first job um i've I, I can't say that it had really occurred to me like i know that in my med school there's like a, an apprenticeship kind of block built in towards the end but then uh the majority of people go yeah, to different else, deaneries right? yeah. for their i mean but actually that's that's quite a big factor in my kind of i'm i'm thinking of putting uh east anglia which is where cambridge university is as my mm. number one okay. choice from deanery partly because i'm familiar with a few of the hospitals like i've been in peterborough addenbrookes I don't know. It seems like such a big jump for me that I think the more familiarity, the better in terms of all the newness and, Mm. you know, being able Mm. to cope and and do the job well. Do you think it's practical to, like, spend a day, like, scoping out your future ward? I don't know. I have no idea. Mm. But, I mean, obviously you get, like, some shadowing and stuff before you actually start as an F1, right? Yeah, like a week or so, right? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully then you can meet, like, Mm -hmm. you know the main kind of nursing staff, mm, like the matron yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. So matron is the person who's in charge of the ward, right? 
So it varies a bit between uh, physical health and mental health. Mm. And I don't actually know that well how it works within physical health. Um, Generally, in mental health anyway, we'll have a ward manager. Um, He manages the ward, obviously, and that'll be a nurse. And then we also have modern matrons who will manage several wards. Mm. And then you can kind of work your way up the directorate in terms of people with more and more... Uh, you know high up roles um but the, you know the, it's the ward managers you'd be seeing generally and i think i think they tend to be called ward managers still on is, is on... a matron sometimes called a nurse in charge i feel like so that's... a nurse in charge so okay okay okay, okay. <laughs> so you have yeah, yeah. a charge nurse and a nurse in charge and they're separate things oh my <laughs> this <laughs> is what you're saying about language <laughs> yeah 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 again this is my limited knowledge in physical health because we then in mental health nursing use different language again mm. so it gets absolutely bizarre but the nurse in charge is the person in charge of that shift they are running that shift as oh, so specific the, to yes. the shift okay. charge nurse is another term for sister um and so that is the person who has like i don't know a pretty senior again we don't have sisters yeah. in mental health we don't have this um but i think it's either like a it's, it's a very senior nursing mm-hmm. role on that mm. ward okay i'm not sure how much management and i Maybe they're managing. I don't know. Mm, <laughs> to, mm. to be honest, the world of physical health is like <laughs> a little bit outside of my remit. But yeah, yeah language is, is so confusing. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, what I'm gathering, like if you've got the chance to scope out your ward or if you've got like a, a week of shadowing um, period before you start mm. your job, the things to do are to learn some names, yes, mm. absolutely. learn some roles and also what the, the role name means <laughs> because mm, that can definitely. vary. Mm. Uh, and then we've got some tips from previous episodes, like finding a good good toilet to hide a in. A crying toilet. A crying toilet. That's 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 it. Helga has suddenly gone very serious. <laughs> when yeah. we've mentioned the crying a toilet. Good, um, good store cupboard works well as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. We'll, we'll add that to the list. Okay, cool. We're going to hear from another group of people who work in the hospital, um, but that'll be right after this. How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. Okay, back to the show. So as well as clinical staff, obviously there's a whole other group of people working in the NHS as well. And I think they kind of get a bad rap sometimes. They're managers. So in my time as a student, I haven't really interacted that much with managers, but we have chatted about talking to managers a bit on the phone before, Mm. particularly in like, the referral um, yep. episode. Yep. What about you, Helga? Do you interact with managers a lot in your sort of day-to-day work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my current uh, supervisor <laughs> is a manager. And um, yeah, I've, I've generally um, had some really good interactions. You know, like we're talking about with referrals, I've had to do referrals as well. And 
you know scoping out with the manager actually what is your bed situation like Mm. (laughs) um is really key information and yeah if you're working on a ward that manager is going to be a really important person there so making sure that you've got a good relationship with them and that you've got a kind of open dialogue is really helpful Mm. cool well we're actually going to hear from someone who was a manager in the nhs for quite a long time but is now actually a second year medical student so let's hear from (laughs) carolyn whoa my name is Carolyn Cairns. I'm now a second year medical student on the four year graduate entry course at Southampton. I've worked in the NHS for the last 10 years or so, um, but from a management point of view, but along the way decided I'd prefer to be on the other side. So uh, um, yeah, started graduate medicine in 2018. It's so important how workforce in the NHS get along together. And I think it's really important to recognise that that is clinical, non-clinical, it's every grade and level um, and it's inside and out of hospitals and all sorts as well. We we cross over all the time, don't we, talking to different people and working with different people. There are definitely reported points of friction and I, I really challenge people listening to have a think about what they see as the frictions in their day to day versus what they read about, if that makes sense. Because I think it's very easy to fall into a bit of a stereotype about us and them um, and and as I say, generally, I think people work together really well. I do think that different teams, different workforces have got different pressures. So management may be looking at, at targets or managing a waiting list or they're trying desperately to arrange extra capacity. And obviously that isn't always straightforward for doctors to, to say yes to or, or to want to do. And I think points of friction come from both trying to solve the main problem. And at the end of the day, I think people are always trying to do what is needed for patients but maybe not understanding where the other person's coming from yeah there's things that doctors need to focus on and managers focus on separately and yeah points of friction come when when those aren't clear to each other I think but I would suggest that junior doctors try and befriend their local managers be that a secretary who can help you out anyone who's listing operations and you know if you're in a specialty where you're going to be doing some cases on an operating list then you might get the opportunity to say about you know what particular things you want to want to have more exposure to in the eye unit i would sometimes list people to do a, a laser list or something and they'd say to me actually my real interest is in this can i cover this instead and you know it really helps if you can both try and make it a win-win situation where you get something covered that you need covering and obviously you've timetabled to a junior doctor's interest and and an area of development as well for them and i think as well management has the ability to offer a lot of opportunity out to junior doctors so if there's a project you want to do or you want to get involved in understanding the administration process in more detail then talk to your administrators because I'm I'm so confident that they would snap up any opportunity to to work together. Laura you're looking very thoughtful there. Yeah what she was saying at the end reminds me quite a lot of um, what we talked about in one of our earlier episodes about how to do a project that could actually change something and how there's there's sort of non-clinical departments that you might find in the basement, for example, <laughs> or another part of the hospital that you don't usually go to, um, where there are loads of people who are a, a fantastic untapped mine of information that can help you get things like projects done. That's what I was reflecting on just now mm. when I had my thoughtful face on. Um, but I was also thinking how hardcore it is to be like... I don't know. It must be so cool to have someone in your class who has been like a manager in the NHS for such a long time. 
Like what? A, what a like excellent and. But imagine how frustrating it must be for them as well to be in a class full of immature. Well, not I always thought, bad. But actually, no. she said mm. she said she's at the graduate course, so mm. graduates are very mature. Well, <laughs> from my experience, anyways, a bit too mature sometimes. <laughs> it makes me right, feel like a child. Supposed to mean. <laughs> well, what I thought was interesting about um, what Carolyn was saying was we're all ultimately aiming to do the same thing, right? Making yeah. sure that patient care is safe and efficient. And I don't think there's many people in the hospital who would say that that wasn't what they were trying to do, right? Mm. But actually, sometimes we're just not, if you'll excuse the phrase, singing from the same hymn sheet, right? Mm. And then that's when there's clashing. Mm. And just like what we were discussing earlier with interacting with nursing staff, sometimes it's just about taking the time to just have like a 10-minute conversation and be like, okay, so I'm really interested to hear about what your job involves. Like, what do you do in your day to day? And mm-hmm. I always feel a bit awkward about like asking people, like, what What do you do? What do you actually what do? You do? do? Well, Why yeah. are you here? <laughs> exactly. I feel like sometimes yeah. it can feel a bit aggressive. It's one of the most like one of the questions that I am like I feel so uncomfortable asking, <laughs> whether it's patient or or professional. Helga, how how could how how could we ask it? Mm. Oh, what do you think? Um, I suppose you'd you'd start with your your intention of just like, I'm really interested to hear um, about your role in this team. Um, Would you mind walking me through a little bit what your role involves and what you get up to on a day to day? Um, so it's less aggressive yeah, than yeah, just yeah, what, so. do do? what do you do? <laughs> what do you do here? I mean, but what's what's the difference is that we've just we, I mean, we've just talked about how mm-hmm. nurses, you know, we have this preconception that nurses are the ones who make that are a massive source of support on the wards, right? Whereas I haven't had loads of interaction with managers on, mm. through clinical school, but I always see them painted as the baddies in the mm. in the medical mm-hmm. cartoons. Yeah. Um, and so that, I mean, that's about as much as I. I know mm. of their relationship with the general medical profession and, and that's a weird mm. foot to start on. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really funny to me as well because I maybe hear that less from a nursing perspective. Oh, um, nurses are just I've, better. This I've is what we're certainly, learning, right? <laughs> I've certainly got on like, really well with mm. all the managers that I've worked with and I've always felt that you know they really wanted to support me and support mm. my learning mm. and support the team. Obviously, you know, these things vary. And I've heard obviously you know not everyone's gonna love their boss all the time (laughs) but I I haven't really heard this managers of the baddies kind of dialogue before Mm. so this is really interesting to me yeah I just need to meet a few managers in real life right like I'm sure that it's a minority of people who earn earn this sort of adversarial like reputation Carolyn says they can be like a real source of support particularly with lists and things and I think so much of this just comes down to like being nice and kind to each other, right? No matter what you think your status is, and you know, a sharp go on and preach. It is, it is, <laughs> it is a sharp scratch. It is hundred percent to people. Sure. Sometimes you're going to get it wrong, aren't you? Like you're going to have a bad day and snap yeah. at someone. Yeah. And we've discussed that as well in the podcast before yeah. Yeah. on the night yeah. shifts episode. Just a quick um, plug. Yeah, and I think just respecting that, like everyone has their own expertise, and like mm-hmm. you know, managers it experts in managing which i think yeah. is something we don't mm. always consider and yeah, that's ot's are, right? are, yeah. man- are experts in being an ot and mm-hmm. or physio all these kind of things everyone's coming from a place of you know being really passionate about what they do hopefully and just wanting the best for the patient and we're, we should all be working together really mm. <laughs> 
That was so cheesy. No, <laughs> no that's great. So we, true. We Honestly, ha- I'm just have, having a warm we off, buzz. We yeah. often get very cheesy on this podcast yeah. because we all love what we do yeah. and love each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, love our listeners. That's lovely. <laughs> I believe that the yeah. world can be improved yeah. and things like that. Yeah. I know I've had before, not from medical students actually, but people who've either made the assumption or directly said to me like, oh, are you training as a nurse because you're too stupid to be a doctor? <laughs> What? what do you Which say? Is, wow. Yeah. <laughs> or just like, uh, I'm just like, no, I just, I didn't want to be a doctor. I wanted to be a nurse. <laughs> yeah. I but, think that's what we, yeah. we need to recognise as well is that, the, you know, people have different, like you're saying, yeah. yeah, people are different. People okay. are different. That yeah. was, that Respect was, each um, other. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was not a good sentence. And Anna. our differences help us work together better. And that's why the team contains multiple Discipline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think we've got time to talk just a tiny bit about one thing that I found really interesting when I was researching for this podcast. So I came across this movement, I call it a movement initiative, maybe, um, that you guys might have heard of. It's called Civility Saves Lives. Love it. And on their website, which um, we'll put a link in the bio to, they've collected loads of evidence saying that being nice to your colleagues really actually improves patient safety. Mm. Um, So one of the stats that they quote is that, according to a study done in 2013, those who witness rudeness between colleagues become less likely to offer help to others and the efficiency and quality of their work can drop. So obviously, if there's rudeness in a clinical setting, that can affect the patient safety and experience. So I just wondered, like, what you guys, have you heard of this movement? And have you ever had someone be rude to you? Maybe not even in a clinical setting. And it's just made you, like, so much less likely to do what they're asking you to do. Oh, I just remember, again, one of my my first... During my first week of return to medical school after a year out, I went to a surgery and I walked into the room having met about half the team beforehand at 7.30am, but I hadn't met the surgeon yet. But I walked into the room and the surgeon just didn't make eye contact with me for the entire afternoon, for the entire rest of the list. And I, you know, it's not, that's not particularly rude he was concentrating on the surgery but it it meant that I found it really really hard to ask questions or to understand what was going on and they were removing an organ that I didn't think was part of the operation and Mm -hmm. had no idea why until quite a lot later because I didn't want to ask and that like one event affects how how I then proceeded to join in with clinics and surgeries later that week and unfortunately you know I met some Uh, more interactive doctors who had more like attention that they could give me and then that that makes you feel more positive about engaging and that's so you know and then when you become a working doctor when it comes to all this sort of like teamwork and kind of stuff where it's not just you're a med student you know trying to take some of the clinicians time up and when you have like a role to play in a team all those interactions make like such a difference on Mm. how willing and able you are to give your whole self next time yeah for Mm. sure actually i have this i find i have this in um working at the BMJ um sometimes like authors are a bit rude to you 
because it's like via email and stuff like i get it like it's frustrating i thought you're about to snake on your colleagues no no, no, <laughs> no but it's like obviously it's yeah. frustrating for authors yeah. like if things are getting held up and they have to like mm. make lots of changes to their articles but sometimes they like there's been occasions where people have been quite rude to me mm. and i just think like why would i then go on and like spend loads of time like helping you get this article to be good you know mm. if you've been rude to me so it does like immediately make me want to work with them less yeah i think that must have like a big impact on the way we care for patients if we're yeah. in a clinical setting. Yeah. Like, what do you think, Helga? Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about how it's really important to get everyone's opinion um, and how when we're kind of, people are rude or you get, you fall, I think, more into a hierarchical model of working where maybe the consultant or the nurse in charge are the only people whose opinions matter. And that's when you miss like really key things. Mm. A piece of really good practice I've seen certainly is um, on an acute mental health ward, we'd have regular safety huddles where literally everyone from healthcare assistants to, and you know, the doctors on the ward, whoever's every, every member of staff who's working that day will get into the office and will go around one by one and say, do you feel safe? Do you feel that the patients are safe? And they'll have an opportunity to raise any concerns. So even like a healthcare assistant who might not normally be talking to a consultant will say, actually, I saw this happening earlier. I'm really concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of comments that might get missed or might not reach the consultant or might, you know, do you, do you mm. see what I mean? And I still remember really clearly um, in my first year of training, uh, one of the lecturers telling us about a really serious incident that happened and before this incident happened a receptionist at the clinic this gentleman attended had noticed that something was wrong that his you know he wasn't his his usual self and had flagged that to the doctors but the doctors thought she's just a receptionist what does she know i see and Mm. um unfortunately it ended very badly um Mm. so everyone who has contact with the patient has valuable information to give i think that's a really good example of having like really mindful multidisciplinary mm-hmm. work Absolutely. like and not just relying on the relationships that people make in their day-to-day yeah. work actually mm-hmm. kind of like facilitating that and i'm sure there's like loads more that we could say about working in, a, in an mdt mm-hmm. and i'm sure we'll discuss it again on this podcast but i think that's all we've kind of got time for today <laughs> i've really enjoyed being here with you guys thank you so much helga for coming yeah, it's been great, really great to meet you, helga. <laughs> thanks for having me yeah, yeah okay so you know that we love a, a little key message takeaway here on Sharp Scratch. So what have you learnt, Raihan? I think spend a day or two, if I graduate, that is. Call back yourself, mate. Yeah, I back, back you. yourself. In F1. And just spend one or two days just getting to know the staff, getting to know the nurses in particular, because they are the ones that I, I'd say have your back at the end of the day when <laughs> times get tough on the ward. Yeah. I've had some attention drawn to my biases around managers, so I'm going to hold that (laughs) in the front of my mind next time I meet a manager in person and just be aware and and hopefully through being aware, not let it influence how I interact with them. And also I really appreciated your tip, Helga, about how to to ask different (laughs) members of the multidisciplinary team what what it is that they do by sort of framing it. Yeah. in what your objective is yeah, I think I most people would be happy to answer mm. yeah. yeah yeah I think what I've really taken away is um the fact that obviously we're all aiming for the same thing but we might be trying to achieve that in ways that other members of staff might not quite understand so just both on like the giving and receiving end of that right mm. so being clear about why you're doing something um and also just yeah asking the question like so could you just explain to me how this matches up with our overall objective Mm. um i think that's definitely something that 
I didn't really think about that much before I sort of spoke to Wendy and Carolyn and obviously Helga as well. Mm. Helga, do you have any final thoughts you might like to leave all our lovely listeners with? Yeah, I suppose just um, that what I said earlier, just respect every member of the team for who they are and what they have to give. And I think actually, more than anything, the most important member of the MDT is actually the patient. And listen to them because... They've got, the, they're the expert in what's going on for them and they'll know better than the nurse that's looking after them, better than the doctor, what they're feeling and what they're experiencing. Oh, you just blew my mind, Helga. <laughs> so right. I was so excited. Right. Well, Man. you know, it's strange you say that because actually on our next episode, we will be talking to some patients mm. um, about their experiences working, mm. um, mostly with medical students, but also with junior doctors. Yeah. So And listen to carers too, carers and families. Oh, <laughs> I'm really passionate oh, about that. <laughs> That's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. If you'd like to hear more from us, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and in two weeks' time, you'll get our next episode straight to your phone. While you wait for the next episode, why not check us out on social media? We're BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag Sharp Scratch, or you can leave us a rating or a review on Apple Pods. Please do leave us a review. Raihan <laughs> loves the reviews, so if you'd like to see Raihan's there. smiling face. Yep. If only you could see right now. <laughs> Beaming. We'd also love to hear your ideas for what we should cover in our next few episodes. Until next time, it's bye from all of us in the studio. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs>